At the end of the day, I think if you can find a way to feel successful, regardless of the result, huge. Because a lot of times we look at success and it's like, what did I get out of this? Or what did I accomplish? When you tie success to that, it's dangerous because you're always chasing it. Hey, I did everything I could to get where I want to be. Did I get there? Maybe not this time, but I was still successful. I didn't leave any stone unturned. Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Quarter Life Crisis podcast. I'm your co-host, JB, and I'm here with host Rig, Rigatoni Smith, and we're back at it for episode eight. We've got an amazing episode for you guys today. I can't even begin to talk to you guys about who we have as a guest coming on the show. He's an amazing guy, veered off the beaten path, and he's kind of a unique guest that we've had on the show so far, Rig, because he sort of took it in a totally different direction. We've always been talking about people that have gone on to, you know, like Dakota have, has become a professional football player and Mackenzie was able to start her, her own business. He knew he had a passion for teaching and went back into it. And um, that's the narrative that we're pushing today. I can't wait to get into it with him, honestly, Rig. And I know he's going to have some great insight for you guys. Riggs, talk to me. What's been going on lately? Well, JB, this is a bittersweet day for me. I had a really good day last week, and I got the pins out of my hand, and I just started my road to recovery just like anyone would. Mm -hmm. Hands doing good, starting to move, but then I needed lunch. As we all do. I went, and I bit into the shawarma, and now I am missing half of my front tooth. You're, you're talking to me like I'm surprised. I, I, I hope you know I can see that you're missing your front tooth. It is terrible. I bit into a shawarma a little too hard, and now I am swimming in dentist appointments. I can hear that you're swimming through dentist appointments right now. So I'm going to need a little break today if I have a little bit of a list from the listeners, but I just ordered a bubble wrap bodysuit. So when that comes in from Amazon, <laughs> there should be no issues with me uh, hurting myself or injuring myself. And I've moved to a strictly soup diet with uh, styrofoam uh, cutlery. So there's no issues. Unbelievable. That's great to hear. And you know what? Can we get back to the more important part of the story? Not your tooth. How was the shawarma? One out of 10. Oh, I finished the shawarma. Oh, okay. yeah. I Pretty spit good. my tooth out, and then I finished the shawarma. It was unbelievable. Shawarma Palace? Where'd you get it? Do I want to bury them right now? Because they like cracked my tooth? I mean, I'd bury them if it was 10 out of 10. That's true. No shame. I had a shawarma shake from Hamoudi's, and then I also had the shawarma sandwich. And it was when I'd been to the sandwich, like the third or fourth bite that it cracked. But... I absolutely love Hamoudi's and I will continue going there regularly. That was just my own mishap. I already had half a tooth on there and it just gave way, but I'll be up and running soon. Well, maybe when you order a shawarma shake and a shawarma, maybe they, that's just inevitable. You are going to smash a tooth after having both <laughs> those items. <laughs> so maybe just stick to the one next time. Now, that being said, what do you think? I got a good take for you. Hot take. Give me it. What would you go, gyro? Like fresh gyro or shawarma? Honestly, if I could pick, I think I would still go shawarma. Like Hamoudi's is so good. Hmm. I don't know. Where do you get your Greek food? I mean, I get my stuff at like either Hungry Wolf has pretty good gyros and like uh, Greek Grill is pretty good. And like when you have that lamb meat and that tzatziki, like that's pretty good stuff. The pitas are different too. You don't have that thin, like, straggly pita. You got the thick pita. So, like, I'm more of a gyro guy because I, I just love the freshness to it. But, I mean, frick. Yeah, you're right. Now that I'm thinking about shawarmas, yeah. No, I'll give you... I'm a shawarma for lunch, but gyro for dinner. Ooh, what a point to drop. Because the shawarma is, like, quick six-box lunch. Like, it's in and out. And it's just, like, a little snack to tide you over for the day. But, like, that gyro, like, you're diving into a meal. And, like, that's comfort. And after that, I'm laying back on the couch and it's over yeah you you can die a happy man yeah. after a hero <laughs> wow okay what a talk um getting back into it we've got a great inv interview for you guys today let's get into it with b sitting in front of us here today at five foot eight inches tall obtained a huge scholarship to the university of michigan studying at the school of business started in all 10 tournaments in his senior year at a top 50 golf school not a big deal a three-time academic all big 10 award winner helped u of m set a single round team record a top 10 junior in canada currently a teacher in windsor essex with a passion for traveling and no hold back when it comes to sweets ladies and gentlemen without further ado bryce the rice maker big b double d Bryce, Yvonne, Bryce, what is going on today, brother? Oh, thank you, guys. That was quite the intro. Honored to be on here. I uh, feel like I got big shoes to fill with some of the guests you've had before, but 
you guys are doing an awesome job and yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing is that you've got absolutely massive feet. So that's why we asked you to come on to the show today. <laughs> wide feet, wide feet. <laughs> I feel like Bryce has struggled to find dress shoes in his past. Is there a time where you ever had to rely on another type of footwear to pass his dress shoes? Oh, this is going to be good. Uh, geez, could it possibly have been grade eight grad maybe? Um, <laughs> there it is. The new, uh, the Tiger Woods golf shoes just came out and I just, I couldn't resist. And yeah, passed them off. A little slippery on the dance floor, but it worked out. <laughs> just clickety-clack, clickety-clack yeah. on his way up to get to the floor. I love it. So give me this. B, if I'm not mistaken, was that when you were valedictorian? Grade eight. Yes. Wow. I feel like I'm on like Nardwar or something. You guys have really <laughs> done your... Uh, done your research here it sure was so it was grade a grad bryce was selected to be valedictorian and he shows up in what white nike tiger wood golf spikes they were they were white belt white shoes i don't know if i've ever <laughs> tried that again but yeah i went for it 100 percent, and i'm sure you were still a dime piece on the dance floor i know that's your thing so but bryce great to have you on the show like i was saying um what we want to get into is you went to school at the University of Michigan and you studied business right from get-go. That being said, you're not currently in a business mindset right now. What I wanted to talk to you more so about is the corporate world versus the teaching world because you had so much opportunity in the corporate business world and you decided to kind of go for something you had in the back of your mind. So talk to us a little bit about what was going through your head at that time. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely plenty of opportunities. Really fortunate to have gone to the University of Michigan. They got a great business school there. It was about partway through year two. They were really kind of pushing the corporate America type vibe. And uh, it was a really competitive environment. And I'm a competitive guy, but probably more so intrinsically than outwardly. I don't know. I just didn't really think that uh, I could picture myself working in that environment and started to think back what's something I could see myself doing for, you know, 20, 30 years. I actually reached out to a few of my previous uh, high school teachers to just kind of ask their opinion. And as I was doing that, I'm like, wow, these, you know, certain individuals have had a pretty big impact on my life that I'm still, you know, two years removed, reaching out to them for guidance and advice. And that just got me thinking, hey, maybe that would be a pretty cool gig, something I could see myself doing. Everyone, when I first mentioned that's something I was looking to do, they, oh, summer's off for golf. Like, yeah, not a bad perk as well. So that's how I kind of transitioned and then just had to make sure I was checking all the boxes so that when I graduated, I could uh, apply to teacher's college. You said they were pushing you into the corporate world. You started talking to your high school teachers. Was there ever like an aha moment when you realized, hey, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm not going to hear the outside noise. Yeah. At first, I originally uh, was considering leaving the business school and transferring into the school of education. Wow. It was actually my uh, dad and my mom I called them, was talking to them about it. And they just kind of said, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, keep your options open as best you can. So uh, we just kind of talked about a way where I could finish in the business school, get my BBA, and then still have a door open for teachers college. Uh, just so that way, if you know, something came up down the road, hey, I've still got that business degree to lean back on just kind of that contingency plan. So I wouldn't say there was an aha moment, but as I got further and further along, learning from some of the professors at the business school, I had some great ones there. And it's like, wow, these people know how to command a room. Uh, they make it so interesting to come to class every day. Uh, so trying to pick up little cues from them as well as I was making my way through. If you went the educational route, would that have just cut out teacher's college back in Ontario? I don't think so. Because I would have been certified in the US, I don't think it would have transferred over here. I probably would have still had to do some sort of program here. So it really was like all your eggs in one basket then. Yeah, it just would have been like yeah. a huge, a huge commitment to teaching. And we know around here how hard, obviously like you're supplying your temporary part-time. So how hard it is to get in, especially locally, if that's what your, your goal was. Yeah, for sure. I kind of knew that. And then I applied to teacher's college at a time when everyone was saying, don't do that. Um, because they just switched the program from one year to two years in length. There's not going to be any jobs. You're not going to get any work. Uh, so it was kind of hard hearing those things. But at the time, it was just like, that is what I picture myself doing. And I'll let the chips fall where they may. But I'm glad I didn't, you know, listen too much to that and just kept going because very fortunate to be working kind of right out of teacher's college. I think that's interesting because I know for a lot of people that are looking the teacher route, that's just the narrative that everyone pushes is especially locally here in Windsor. There's no jobs. You're never going to get hired full time. And everyone I know that's done it 
ends up becoming a teacher at some like, and not that far down the road. Like you're still 25 years old. So mm-hmm. I don't understand like what the panic is or the narrative that people are pushing that you're just never going to get hired unless there's a surplus of people that I just am not friends with that fall to the wayside and mm-hmm. pick up a job somewhere else. I mean, quite frankly, to get a full-time teaching gig, you're probably going to be waiting a little while. I've been very lucky and who knows this whole pandemic situation, maybe it opened up some doors that way. Um, I'll never really know one way or another, but fortunate that I've had the chance to, to be working right away building that rapport and actually having a bit of a routine is just so much more exciting. So glad that I actually get to have uh, kind of my own classroom. Yeah. I kind of want to see the day when Bryce gets hired full time and it's like Mr. Yvonne. And then it's the constant battle every year for kids to get into Mr. Yvonne's math class. Oh dude, (laughs) I'm going to be on that list and I'm going to be 40 years old. (laughs) I just need oh, a high school equivalent yeah. for my program. I'll save a spot for you. Hey, thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Now that you say that, teaching is an outstanding career. That being said, you gave up a lot of opportunity to do it. Would you have ever seen yourself being in the corporate America world? Did you ever see yourself? And can you now? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, uh, I guess I would be in like corporate Canada if that's a yeah. if that's a thing. But there are times now, you know, I always ask my students, what are your plans after high school? And kids are talking about different programs they're going into. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that's just such an exciting time starting something new like that. And I think back to maybe different paths I could have taken. Consulting was a big thing that a lot of my classmates in university wanted to get into. 100%. And I hadn't put much thought in it. Uh, but now... Sometimes when I'm teaching and I'm discussing a topic, I'm like, man, that, okay, this is actually super interesting. Like I maybe should have taken a closer look at this and explored some of my options. Uh, But there's, you know, there's no saying I can't do that down the road. Uh, There's no saying I can't do that on the side someday. Yeah. There's times where I think back and go, I could have seen myself going into something like that, but I'm happy with where I'm at right now and definitely have some open doors in the future. I can definitely see you being the kind of teacher, like I still remember certain teachers that have left an impact on us. There was a teacher that honestly, I don't know if we'd be doing the podcast if it wasn't for him back in the day, but in grade 12, we had a teacher, Mr. Koloff, me and Rick, he shared just so many different stories about how not to conform. And how to keep your inner kid and your original personality, keep that going because there's going to be so many things thrown at you to make you and mold you into the person that kind of your externals want you to be. Mm -hmm. And he was just dead set. He was like, keep that inner kid. The longer that lasts, the longer you last. And, And that's what his belief was. And I know we still kind of remember it to today. And I know that you're going to be that same kind of teacher, which is exactly why we're going to be lining up for your grade 12 math class. (laughs) Well, I hope so. I mean, I think we can all reflect on whether it was grade school, high school, post-secondary, some sort of teacher along the way that uh, made an impact on us. And uh, it was really cool getting to go back to my former high school, Massey, teach alongside mentors of mine. And uh, I remember the first time walking in the staff room and all of a sudden I'm like calling people by their first names. And this is so weird, you know, (laughs) it's a bill. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was, it was really weird. It was an exciting time. And um, yeah, hopefully one day down the road, uh, I can be one of those teachers. Did you ever make the mistake of going into the staff room and being like, Hey, Mr. Johnson. And they were just like, dude, it's Joe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like, emails, I'm questioning it. When students are around, obviously it's, you know, miss and sir. And uh, so it's a lot easier, but yeah, walking into the staff room, I'm, I remember the first couple of times I did that, like everyone turned, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like you're one of us now. That's <laughs> so it was, awesome. It was fun. We're going to circle back because you are a fan of the show and we got to hit you with our hot five. Yes. We got it for you. T-Rex or Velociraptor? T-Rex, no doubt. OSU or MSU? Oh my, um, I got to go OSU. Wow. The Ohio State. Wow, and that's sorry, a tough yes, one. Yes, sorry, the Ohio State University. Apple pie or cheesecake? Cheesecake. Easy. Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau? Going to go with the scientist here. I love Bryson the scientist. DeChambeau. This guy's killing it right wow, now, Wow, I don't like that answer at all. <laughs> Helium voice for life or every time you laugh, you get tased? Helium voice for sure. Nice. I think that could that could be fun. That could be fun. Nice. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is that I actually have to live with that. So I'm happy you picked that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me too in a way. So. Well, B, I got to let you know, you did pretty well. You went four for five there. 
Um, now you went five for five with Rig because you picked Bryson, but not a big fan of the old Bryson DeChambeau. So you uh, four he, for five in my books. It's an acquired taste, but I respect his uh, you know willingness to try new things. We played a lot of events against SMU, so we'd we'd see him all the time. Wait, so you like you've played like multiple tournaments against this guy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he mopped the floor with me. It, it, we you wouldn't we you wouldn't know we played the same tournament because he was up at the top of the leaderboard and I was scrounging around the bottom. How um, old is he? He's got to be a year or two older, so like 26, wow. 27 maybe. I thought he was like twenty nine. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, like first thing I noticed, the grips on his clubs are like water bottles. They wouldn't even fit in a regular bag because they're so big. And then he had this putter. That like he anchored beside him and it was just like a block of steel. We pull up to the green. I'm like, Hey, who is this guy? And everyone's like, Oh, you don't know it's Bryson. And they're filling me in on like, I was oblivious. I didn't know who anyone was. So I just pull up and be like, Oh, I'm playing with this guy today. And they're like, Oh, you're playing with him. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like just, just <laughs> another guy. And then sure enough, like years later, I'm working a shift at the Rosebush and this guy's winning his first PGA tournament. And I'm like, oh. okay, <laughs> that's pretty nuts. I just want to put this a little bit into perspective of Bryce being so oblivious. This was me rolling up to the Essex Kent golf tournament when I was 13 years old. Like <laughs> Bryce is out there just like sinking putts, like on the practice green from everywhere. And he's like talking to all the guys that are like dressed the best and going to win the tournament. And I'm just there, like, I have, like, seven clubs in my bag. It was a disaster. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. That just goes to show, like, what kind of caliber of golfer Bryce is because, I mean, first of all, he was playing alongside Bryson DeChambeau, who is, what, arguably one of the best golfers in 2021 right now? For sure, 100%. He won two tournaments this year so far, right? Yeah. He's killing it. Finished, I think so, yeah. Like, third yeah. the other day. And you know what's funny about Bryson DeChambeau is he kind of reminds me of my style of golf game. Big, heavy hitter. <laughs> And uh, I like to pride myself on that, especially when I play with Mahalo. There's just an airport between our balls. So oh, I love that. You look like eight-year-old Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> Let's talk about golf. In all honesty, for the audience, Bryce w was an excellent golfer. I just remember when I would see you at the course, I I've never seen someone that was so composed and so dedicated to the game. I've never seen someone spend those type of hours on the greens all the time working on this stuff that not everyone wants to work at. And that's what attributed to a lot of your success. At some point you stopped playing golf and you, you went into a different career. And when I saw you in the dedication, I thought golf was for sure going to be a part of your end career. Was there something along the way that kind of deterred you from the sport? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I had never really considered going to school and, and playing golf. There just came a point. Uh, I had a couple of good tournaments and all of a sudden that was a possibility. I think from that point out, it was like, okay, my goal is to get an education, try and get a scholarship. And when I got to university, it's just crazy. All of a sudden, you're just in a whole other class of athletes. I mean, growing up, we have so many excellent golfers in the Windsor Essex area, like phenomenal talent. But it's just when you branch out and all of a sudden, you're getting the best from all over the world. Uh, playing college it kind of puts things into perspective and it's like mm. oh I was a good putter now I'm the you know fourth or fifth best putter on my team or ah, I don't hit it that short all of a sudden I'm the shortest hitter on my team by 30 yards like it just puts things into perspective so uh, I wouldn't say it was discouraging it was just a bit of a reality check like wow if I really want to do anything with this I've got to step things up to like an entirely different level. For some guys in college, that system works really well for them, the routine, the schedule. Uh, I'd say it worked pretty well for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but you see guys who maybe weren't that stellar in college who all of a sudden get out and they don't have to go to class. They don't have all these other things and they can just focus on their craft and then they really excel. Uh, so I've definitely had times where I'm like, Ah, if I could just take six or seven months and just purely dedicate it, you know, uh, where could I be? Uh, I've thought about that before, but at the same time, I just don't know if that's what I want. So um, I definitely love to play still. Uh, it's frustrating now sometimes playing because you get out there and you hit a couple of shots and you're like, okay, I'm starting to feel it again. And mm -hmm. then you just break down. It's, ah, I, I don't quite have it anymore. I need to hit the range. So I'll be golfing until I kick the bucket for sure. Yeah, uh, competitively, uh, I'm not entirely sure if I'll get back to it soon or get back to it down the road. Obviously, there's so many opportunities to like join like different tours and whatnot. 
But like, did you ever have interest in just being like a full-time club pro? Like there's always that option. Uh, well, yeah, I have considered that. There's that teaching aspect there too, which, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you like teaching? Like, could you teach me golf? And quite frankly, I'm not a very good uh, golf teacher. People <laughs> like, oh, can you help me out with my swing? I'm like, ah, I, I really don't know. Um, if <laughs> someone tells me what to do with my swing, I can usually find a way to make an adjustment. But um, that is one thing I, I've told my previous coaches and whatnot. I'm like, I got to hand it to you guys because you can just look at someone and be, okay, adjust this, adjust this. And there's a million different ways to get what you want out of the end result. It, it crossed my mind, but, um, I just, I wasn't sure if I wanted to make something I enjoy doing like a hobby and a passion of mine. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to, um, kind of intermingle that with work or not. Hmm. And that's a pretty difficult question because uh, we see that a lot. Like our whole purpose of the podcast is to kind of chase your, your passion or just something that you love and incorporate that into something you can do every day. But at the same time, there's that, there's that little teeter totter that, okay, you know what? I really enjoy this. And if I turn this into work, it might not be the same. And I might not enjoy it as much as I used to. Did you feel that at some point with the golf game? Yeah. I mean, whenever I watch golf and like, it's coming down to Sunday and those guys are uh, coming down the stretch, it's like, I start sweating. I'm like, that is just so nerve wracking because I felt, you know, different levels of pressure as I've gone on where you're playing for yourself individually growing up and you know, there's pressure to perform, but then all of a sudden you're standing over a five footer and it's the difference between your team coming in second or third or, you know, making it to regionals or not. It's not just for a beer at the turn, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, a couple of bucks from your buddies, you'd start to feel that pressure just over like, you know, it doesn't have to be on the 18th hole. It's when you start your round. Um, so it was a different type of pressure to deal with. And I just thought to myself, imagine standing over this and it's the difference between getting your PGA tour card, the pros. I mean, it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on one shot. And, you know, that just wasn't a pressure that uh, I was comfortable with at the time. Some people love that, right? They, they live for that pressure and they want to be in that moment. Uh, but for me, it was like, this is just a game I really enjoy. And uh, it's a pretty fickle game. So when mm-hmm. it's not going your way, uh, it's easy to get down. And I just said, I don't know if I want to have that extra level of pressure added to a game that I, I enjoy so much. Oh, no doubt. Rick, I don't know if you can attest to this, but you were an athlete. On the golf course, it's a t- completely different ball game. I'm lining up putts when I'm playing with my buddies. And all that pressure is on you at one point in time. And that's all you can think about. Whereas in other sports, I find like when I stepped on the soccer field and it was our offsip or something, when the whistle blew, that pressure was off my shoulder. Now I'm in game mode. There's Mm -hmm. no worry. But on the golf course, when you're sitting over that ball, dude, there is weight on your shoulders. So So much much weight on your shoulders shoulders at that that point in time. time. You You know what I mean? It's like you can constantly think about it and feel it. Whereas a hockey game, once the whistle blows, the pressure's gone. Yeah, well, it's not really that pressure that just builds. Like when you get moving and your heart rate gets up, everything becomes second nature. Like you just do muscle memory where you can have muscle memory on a course as far as like your swing mechanics. But when you're sitting over that eight foot bender on 18 or you got to hit the good putt and all of a sudden, if it just moves a little bit, a little bit high side or low side, like you're letting people down. Yeah. 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 I just feel like there's less groove in the game of golf, but, but that's just from an outsider's perspective. I've never actually been in the competition that you have, but maybe you can attest to that. Yeah. I mean, you guys brought up some excellent points there. Uh, I think that I've kind of made this analogy before and I know, uh, Hunter, I was listening to the episode where you were talking about, uh, just stepping on the ice for, you know, your first shift and you feel like you like just blackout, right? It was, it was actually one of the worst experiences of my life. Now that I look back on it, like that (laughs) minute was like, it's a race for my memory. I'm sure in the minute too, it probably felt like two hours that you're out there. And yeah, I've always said to people, golf's a funny game because I played hockey growing up, a lot of quick decisions, reactionary. So I don't know, you've got, you know, an open net, you miss it, whatever happens, puck goes into the corner and it's like, you're frustrated, but you can't spend time being frustrated because you got to go chase after that puck, get it back for your team uh, and carry on with the game. Like there's just not time to think about the mistake you made, right? Whereas golf, you've got X amount of time to make your decision, execute the shot. And then you've got to go walk and find that. And you've got 200 yards to think about what you just did and how you're going to get out of wherever you are. And then it, it's just, you have so much time to think. And then when you don't execute 
your plan properly, uh, it's really difficult not to get down on yourself. But I know Tiger, he's come out and said he had something like a, like a 10 step rule where after his shot, he allowed himself to be frustrated and angry for 10 steps. And then after that, it was just forward thinking, how am I going to get out of this next situation? So trying to do things like that can help, but it's uh, definitely a, a different ball game. Was that guy any good? All right. All right. <laughs> and I should add here to anyone who's listening, just so this is very clear. <laughs> when we were talking earlier about like considering carrying on with golf, I should bring up the element of like, being good enough to actually do that. So it's also sometimes a reality check of like, do I have what it takes to go to that next level? Because I mean, I have teammates who are some of the most incredibly talented golfers I've ever seen who are still, you know, trying to make their ranks on McKenzie tour web.com and like make it up to the PGA tour. And I'm, I'm just flabbergasted because like these guys are so good and they're still just trying to get that timing to align properly, get hot at the right time and uh, get their opportunity. So would I have had the, you know, the talent and enough time to work on my game uh, to make it to that next level? I don't know. I'm always someone who had to just grind on the range and practice, practice, practice. And the minute I stopped practicing, it went away pretty quick. Mm. Uh, so I would have had to dedicate just tons of time, I'm sure, to, to stand a chance. Wow. And that has absolute magnitude because it's coming from Windsor Essex's protege for golf. You know what I mean? I can't even begin to start at how much that speaks millions. Just you saying that right now. Yeah. And I think that just is Bryce in a nutshell. And this is what we can just transition into. Just the humbleness of you to, to say that and recognize that is so above your years all the time. It's not me, me, me. And where did this humbleness all stem from? Like you're so calm, cool, and collected all the time. I've never seen you frown. I've never seen you. Has he ever yelled at anybody? <laughs> if he has, that's going to be the day the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not lying. But no, B, your humility is just unbelievable. And anytime you ask someone about Bryce Yvonne, the same themes come up. Composed, humble, and just a genuine guy that wants to do well for others. And I'm going to tell you that's why you became a teacher, but I hope you agree with me. I guess what we want to ask is, do you have something in the back of your mind that allows you to have such humility? Like, is there something that you're thinking about all the time? Or is it more ingrained in you that, you know what, this is the way it's got to be done? Yeah, I mean, golf in general is a humbling game. Um, mm -hmm. Whenever you think you've kind of got it figured out, it finds a way to prove you wrong. So just the game itself is humbling. Fortunate to have like a really cool progression growing up, starting to play some local events and then some provincial ones and some national ones, and then finally having the opportunity to play in college. But uh, sometimes it's just getting knocked down, right? Wow. Okay. This is a new playing field. This is a new level of competition. It's just kind of not letting yourself believe like you're as good as you are. Uh, and I know, I think Dakota brought it up was uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a thin line to walk with, you know, do I belong here? Am I really good enough? But also not getting, you know, too full of yourself and too confident to the point where it's like, okay, I can let up on the gas and not work as hard because I feel like I'm here and I've made it. Uh, so for me, I think the fact that I was someone who always had to practice a lot to keep my game sharp. Uh, that kind of kept me humble. If I stop practicing, I'm losing ground on these guys. I'm not going to be able to keep up anymore. So I'd say that's part of it. But yeah, I've had a lot of good role models over the years. My parents, of course, I guess it's just uh, that mindset of there's someone out there who is either doing more than you or is better than you are at this thing. So, you know, keep working hard because uh, whenever you think you've kind of made it, that's when those reality checks usually come in. Wow. Again, speaks millions. Now, there was one question I wanted to ask you as well. Definition of success. I've asked a few people in the past and I've gotten some interesting answers. Surprisingly, because I amount success to one word in my head and I feel like everyone agrees with me, but they don't. And I'm just curious as to what your definition of success is and why. Uh, oof. I think success to me, uh, just feeling fulfilled feeling happy with where you're at um, in life. I guess there's an element of satisfaction in there when you feel satisfied with what you've done. I know a lot of times, you know, success is equated with money and prestige and status. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, I think if you can find a way to 
feel successful regardless of the result, I think that's huge because a lot of times we, you know, look at success and it's like, okay, what did I get out of this? Or what did I accomplish? And I mean, I even started off my answer talking about accomplishing things, right? Uh, so when you tie success to that, it's like dangerous because you're always chasing it. I think if you can feel successful and just feel satisfied, hey, I did everything I could to get where I want to be. Did I get there? Maybe not this time, but I was still successful because I didn't leave any stone unturned. Holy. Yeah, I think that's where it comes in with the fulfillment side of it is as long as you in your head can look back and say, I did everything I could, you don't leave any stones unturned. And that's the fulfillment of, I gave it everything I got and I got the best that I could at it. Great answer. Though. Honestly, Rig, that's the answer we want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... I don't know. It's, it's tough. That's a, a really good question. I feel like maybe I'd have a different answer with a little time to think about it, but just off the top of my head, that's what came to mind. And I don't want to keep going back to this, but just that decision of, do I want to keep going with golf? What should I do? And it's like, Hey, I put everything I had into it under the circumstances I was in. And this is where I got with it to me. Hey, that's success. I tried as hard as I could. Did I get a chance to play at a professional level? No, I never got that opportunity, but who knows? There's still champions to her. So I love that. A couple of years down the road. <laughs> I think you just said it there. It's just under your circumstances, that gets really lost amongst everyone, I feel, because everyone has different circumstances. So me giving everything I have into something is going to be different than you giving everything into something, even if it's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what I have to do on the side to keep the rest of my life turning. Mm -hmm. So that's where people kind of evaluate and they look at these guys i just use athletes as examples because it's easy but they just work on their craft day in and day out and it's like some guys didn't have that opportunity some guys don't have access to a basketball hoop every day so it's what's within your circumstances i think that's a big key factor of just knowing your own environment and just becoming successful within it yeah i always laugh watching you know college football or college basketball because you know i find myself you're, you're yelling at the tv or something you're like, hold on a second. This kid is 19 or 20 years old. He's got to go write a chemistry exam tomorrow. And I love when they bring up their major or whatever on the screen. Like, oh yeah, this guy also has X amount of hours of coursework and they got to go to study hall and all these things. And it's like, it kind of gets lost on you. I always just get a kick out of it. And you know, me and my parents, when we're watching college sports, I feel like I'm always the one to just be like, hey, come on, they're 19 or 20. Like, give, <laughs> give them a break, right? So... Uh, but that's what makes it fun to to watch, especially in college. Though, I, I if you watch the March Madness here coming up, I'm just gonna look at every guy and be like, "Oh, that guy's on a full ride scholarship." That's not how it goes. That's not the deal that's going on. And people just sit at home and don't realize that this guy might have taken out student loans just to get the opportunity to play. So when he's done, he might not have five years to dedicate to to trying to make the NBA. Yeah, not that we're pushing the narrative, but. You know, uh, we love to see people go after their dreams. You know what I mean? That That's what we love. But at the same time, not everyone has access to that same opportunity. Now, B, we ask everyone on the show, are you in a quarter-life crisis yourself at this time? Have you ever been in one and why? Ooh, uh, so I was thinking about this when I was listening to other episodes. Everyone had some really good answers. At the risk of going against the QLC name, I'll say I may be in a bit of a QLQ a quarter life quandary, uh, maybe not a crisis. We're not in crisis mode yet, Yeah. Uh, but just, you know, you get into something and you know, you've got your good days and your bad days. Sometimes on those bad days, you're coming home and it's just like, am I cut out for this? Is this what I want to do? Am I getting everything out of this? I thought I would. I think for me, I over romanticize everything when I'm looking in the future, picturing this, you know, kind of utopian situation. Obviously it doesn't always work out that way. My expectations get a little ahead of myself. But one thing I've come to realize is that I feel like growing up, we're always told that do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yep. I agree. I think it's important to do something you enjoy, but I just don't think that it's super important to be entirely fulfilled by your job. Your job doesn't have to fulfill you in every way. It's great if it fulfills you in some ways. If you can find something that you enjoy going to on most days and have time for pursuing other passions and other things you enjoy in life, that to me is optimal because you can fulfill yourself in these other ways. Like if you're super into art or something, having time on the side to be able to do that. Art maybe doesn't have to be a component of your job, 
but you can allow yourself time and energy to dedicate to that, I feel like you'll be generally a little better off. Maybe not the case for everyone, but at least for me, like, hey, I enjoy teaching right now. It's a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. Not to say I didn't think it would be tough, but you just learn a lot of things on the way. Like you don't have to go searching for fulfillment entirely from your career. So that's what's kind of got me in this quarter life quandary pre-crisis mode where I'm just asking myself, is this what I'm cut out for? Oddly enough, soon, uh, I'll have to kind of make some decisions because comedy, my fiance right now is mm-hmm. going through interviews for residency. So um, she's in medical school. So uh, where, you know, we'll be heading, but I'll have to kind of decide, do I try to get a teaching gig wherever I go? Do I try something else? Like it or not, I'll have to make some decisions. Uh, I'm excited for her. I'm excited for us. Excited for whatever's down the road for me career-wise. This guy's making a tour comeback. I know it. <laughs> can oh, we, man. Can we make that happen? We will be in your fan club. She's going to be down in Florida, and he's going to say, you know what, I'm taking the sticks to the course today. And all of a sudden, he's just going to start feeling it. It's going to be trouble. Oh, well, this is what's going to happen. I'll spit you a beautiful picture. You're going to be in Florida. Comedy's going to be at residency. You're going to make a little drive because you want to get used to the area. You're going to see the first golf course. Stop in on the right. You're going to hop in. You're going to whip out the irons. You're going to start hitting a few range balls. You're going to hop on the course. You're going to fire a 62 your first round out there. Okay, we all know it's coming. You're going to fire this 62 and go, I feel good. From the tips, you're going to be back in the game. He's going to be playing pro. We're yeah, the club pro is going to be like watching from a distance with like binoculars. <laughs> I think if I took some swings right now, I might be going to visit comedy in the <laughs> hospital for some sort of orthopedic fracture. Uh, yeah. It's uh it would not be good. There's a lot of rust right now in the game, but it it'll be somewhere in Canada. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Engage at 25. Not a big deal. A couple of clicks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Bryce, I I just wanted to head back to the amount of self-awareness that that takes. You know, that's an answer that's different from all the ones we've gotten before, because it's almost like our most realistic answer. And it just shows that not every day is going to be flowers and roses. It sounds like when you hop into teaching every day, okay, it's not that you're going in there happy every second, every minute of the day. No. But at the end of the day, that entire lifestyle, when you look at your week and you look at those two days off that you had to spend time with family or whatever it is that is your gitch, that overall, that long term, you're going to be a pretty fulfilled and happy guy, right? I don't mean to come on and try and preach some crazy new idea or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, be this like realist or anything like that. To me, uh, it's something I grappled with for a long time until I, I feel like I finally came to this realization. You know, people put it in different ways. Sometimes they think, oh, you know, if you won the lottery, I'm talking a lot of money, you know, would you still be going to work? And a lot of people are like, I don't know if I was set, probably not. Like that's probably not how I would choose to live my life, right? If, you know, you're pursuing your passion, you can make some money at it. Like that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And people do that. I know, you know, a lot of people that you've had on, I feel like that is exactly what they've done. I just know that there's some people out there who have a hard time finding that, or they feel like they're always searching. And I feel always on to that. Oh, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time being present to help myself become more present. It's just like, Hey, you know what? Find other pieces that you can bring into your life, things that you enjoy that just kind of round out that wellness and help you feel fulfilled, whether it was a good day at work or a bad day at work. I do think we push a little hard, the narrative of like that entire fulfillment from your job. Yeah. But 100%. I think it is more of just a lifestyle fulfillment and you don't necessarily need to go to work and get that hundred percent energy charge and just love every second of it. I think it is a more realistic point of view. And the people we're trying to get to make the move are the people that are really dragging through their days. It's six, seven days a week of, I can't do this anymore. Their their goal is to get somewhere that's five, six days a week of like, wow, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Not, wow, today was the greatest day of my life every day because that's unrealistic as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's tough to realize that. It's such a fine mm-hmm. line between should I go for this because I'm passionate about it and try making it a career? And am I actually in that bad of a spot right now that I need to make a jump, that, it, that I need to make the move? And it's tough to know where you're at. At the same time, when you look at the whole picture, when you take a look at everything, I get to come home to my girlfriend and spend time with her. I get to do yeah. go golfing. Get to have that time on the weekends with your family. You get to enjoy your desserts, which I know you're a yes. big fan of. <laughs> yes. 
who can deny a good dessert? hundred percent. And, and like, when you get to look at that whole picture, I feel like that's when you become really self-aware, which is something that apparently Bryce has mastered. <laughs> We're going to need to like maybe have therapy sessions with you once in a while. <laughs> oh, jeez. I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, if students ask me, should I go into this? Should I go into that? Like, what do you like? What's interesting to you? And I would 11 times out of 10, always recommend if someone's on the fence, like go for that thing that you're passionate about. Um, But just know that if it doesn't become your career, Mm -hmm. there's still a way to like fulfill yourself and feel passionate about what you do. So I think, yeah, if you're on the fence or if you're someone who is like struggling to get through the work week, every day is just a drag, then absolutely it's time for that change. I definitely encourage people to shake things up. It's scary, I'm sure, to take that leap uh, when I'm sure people are telling you what you've got is secure. Uh, I know you guys have talked about it, like find a job, stay in there, earn your pension, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, retire 30, 35 years down the road. I'm someone who gets lost in those YouTube vortexes where it's like video on video and I love Ted talks. So I feel like I'm, you can get real deep with those. Uh, but there was one about retiring and just how bizarre of a concept it is sometimes, because I think it came, don't quote me on this. I'm not a, a history teacher or anything, but it was way back in the day, like a small village where there were too many young people and not enough job because uh, people were working till they passed away. A local government brought in the concept of retirement was like, hey, we'll pay you to leave your job so that these young people actually have a place to work. And at the time, it was 65 when they paid these people to leave their jobs. But you only live to like 68, like at that time. And now life expectancy has increased so much. So people retire at 65 and you've got another 20, 25, 30, 35 years of life, you know, you've worked in that like prime part of your life so hard to save up for this time. And maybe you're not able to do all the things that you set out to do. So even retirement itself is kind of this bizarre concept. I think it's easy to get wrapped up in like finding something secure so that retirement's there. If you play your cards right and, you know, you're doing something that you enjoy, I mean, who can beat that? Yeah, and it's that complacency. It scares me when you know you have a career for 30 years and you know you have your pension to fall back on. You can become so complacent. And that is one of the scariest things to me to say, sit back, relax. You know what I mean? And you got to keep challenging yourself. Like, look at you. You've got a huge challenge coming up ahead of you. You don't know where where the next couple years might come from, depending on where comedy's residency is, right? There might be a career mm-hmm. switch in there. There might not be. Exactly. Exactly. What's that called in university when you, is it called tenure? Yep. It's like, oh, I yep. have tenure, like try and fire me. You can't. And that's yeah. like literally when people just like stop caring and are just like, I'm going to do my work when I want to do it. I guess there, there, there's a certain freedom to that, that you've put in your work from an outsider's point of view that just hear the way people use that word is just like, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. And it's obviously depending on the person. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I just feel like you have now the opportunity to, be, to become complacent. And a lot of people tend to go down that road. And that's something that we definitely don't want to ever become. And we always want to be constantly challenged and constantly moving forward. B, where do you see yourself in five years? And I know that's a tough question because you got a lot of question marks coming up ahead of you. Way too many. Five, five months, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Give us your ideal situation. Ooh, ideal situation? Potting on 18 at Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I've got like a six inch tap in to win the US Open or something. And <laughs> I made the Monday qualifier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I, I feel like I seek right now is just time. Like, time is something that I just can't get enough of because uh, the teaching has been a little overwhelming in that sense where it's eaten up a lot of my time, just the planning and everything. In five years, if I had a little bit more time, that would be awesome. I feel like that's something that we all yearn for uh, and then come to realize, oh, you know, I'll be less busy a year from now. And then you get there and you're somehow more busy than you were before. Hopefully at that time, comedy will be where she wants to be with her career, teaching or something else. Uh, I really just hope I have time outside of work to pursue, you know, all my passions. Be a golf. Recently got into cycling a little bit. Nice. I kind of went gung-ho on it. <laughs> I have now completed, I'm not going to say ran because what I did was far from running, but uh, completed two half marathons, the Detroit Free Press. So um, just like time for those kind of things would be great. Keeping myself uh, as healthy as possible because I do love those sweets, of course. <laughs> um, and yeah, if in five years I've got time to do that kind of stuff, uh, I'll be happy. 
we actually have to get the picture of Bryce crossing the finish line. I've seen it. It is a legendary picture holding hands with comedy. Oh, oh. Yikes. The grimace on my face. I mean, that I, guy was happy to see the finish line. My dogs were barking. I'm going to blame it on the shoes. I read the reviews are like, oh, these are great for like three mile training runs. I'll, I'll just go run the 13.1. But Hunter, I got to give you props because when we were making that corner and I saw like the cutoff yeah. and I was like, okay, I have 200 meters until I'm done. And those suckers got to go do this all over again. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Unreal. I was off. I hit about mile eight. That was just coming up out of that tunnel. That was about it for me. And I just struggled the rest of the way. But comedy signed up for a full marathon. Uh, And I feel like we egg each other on a bit. Like she'll sign up for something that I'm like, okay, I got to like keep up with you here. Because I'm into the cycling now. The next goal, half Ironman. Half Ironman. So no way. Do the cycling, the running, little swimming. And just, just complete it. I'm not looking for record times. Yeah. yeah. Even like a DIY one where I just go to the lap hit the, dis- and just hit the do, distances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, I'd be fine with that. Just like something that seems almost unattainable. Yeah. And something to work towards. That's so. amazing. Wow. That's really interesting. What what makes you want to do that, B? Is it just something that looks unattainable and you know you probably can? I mean, I could really do with some taking a little better care of my body. So I think signing up for those things sometimes motivates you to do that. Mm. And it's like, okay, like I'm not going to be able to complete this if I don't put in this training. And I think it's that competitive aspect that I don't really have anymore from golf per se. Yeah. Setting that goal, chipping away at it. And then like when it's actually go time, it'll, it would be great to, to try this and be legitimately prepared enough where I feel like, okay, I, I can complete this thing. Yeah. That's awesome. And dude, I know you've got another passion. Maybe it's not a passion, but you're very into travel. And now since COVID, you obviously haven't been able to, but where's the next stop? If you had to pick one. Next stop. Truthfully, I'd love to get South America, Chile, Argentina, Patagonia. Like the the national park there is fantastic. Um, And if I could, like New Zealand at some point would be be awesome as well. For those who don't know, Patagonia is a real place, not just a clothing (laughs) brand. Because there's people out there that are like, oh, it's a real place. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. And it's not out west, California or BC. No. It's in Argentina. Yeah. But um, you, you've been to Australia, right, JV? I've, been, Australia. That, I've uh, been to Australia, New yeah. Zealand. Wow. I spent about a month in New Zealand, and I can honestly say, if you can make it over there, honestly, dude, the sights are amazing. Everything you see, the mountains, the, the lakes, everything's great. So you constantly are going to see something that one-ups the last place you saw. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is the vibe of that country. That country yeah. is just on the same page of saying, hey, let's chill a little bit. Let's take a step. <laughs> (laughs) back here buddy okay we don't have to be the biggest business in the world we don't have to be the best they're just content with let's be the happiest people that we can be and let's lay back a little bit and i I think we can all kind of take a lesson on that to be honest i highly recommend that i'll be putting that one on my list and the the pandemic has stifled it a little bit but hunter i know like following along on social media when you did your trek across the country there I was just like tuning into that. I'm like, man, this looks like the best. That like sense of freedom. Uh, me, I'm like a super big planner. You walk out the door, you're like, all right, I'll be back in two days or two months. Don't really know. I feel like for me, I would have, okay, by day three, I'm supposed to be here and I need to drive 89.7 kilometers. To stop get- for lunch. <laughs> yeah. So stop for second lunch. Yeah. Stop for dessert. Uh, so, I mean... I don't know if I am spontaneous enough to do it just on a whim like that, but being able to go live out of your car, have everything there with you, just explore parts of the country that like, I'm sure you wouldn't always think to go to, right? And honestly, people don't understand like what's up in Thunder Bay and like that area, like how beautiful it is. People have no clue. When you get to Lake Superior, it's another level. Yeah. What is the wisdom that Mr. Yvonne, the teacher, has Oh, Mr. Yvonne, didn't even call you my, that. My Sorry, dad, Bryce. My dad? Yeah. <laughs> has for the listeners today. I've been listening to some of these other calls to action and they are amazing. A lot of the calls to action that I've heard so far, it's like, I want to adopt those and start doing those things. They're things that a lot of times I wish I do already. The attitude of gratitude, like that is something I feel like can really turn your life around mm-hmm. and put you in a more present, positive mindset. So I guess mine will piggyback on that a little bit. And I think that gratitude is like, you know, something that you share with yourself or remind yourself of each day. But I'm going to say, thank people that are close to you for 
in some way or other, I'm sure they've helped you along the way. It could be just like thanking your parents or your friends or former coach that you had or a former coworker. At a really young age, uh, my parents were really adamant about me sending thank you cards. Hmm. So after like a golf tournament, they say, oh, you know, make sure you write a thank you card to the tournament director, thank them. And as a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, got to write another card. Like it seems like, you know, such an undertaking, right? But when you do it, you immediately feel better being on the receiving end of that. I just got this random thank you card. They probably didn't even know who I was. It's like, hey, someone just said, thanks for working on this tournament. I guess that would be my thing. This is going to be really cheesy. Uh, one of my favorite albums growing up, Graduation by Kanye West. Uh, there's a song on there called Big Brother. And he says, if you admire somebody, you should go ahead and tell them people never get the flowers while they can still smell. Them. Thank people while you have the opportunity. You know, mm. I try and do that like in different little chapters of my life. So leaving high school, I tried to like, OK, who are some people I can thank who helped me get here? Leaving university, who are some people I can thank who helped me get here? Soon enough, you're going to be on the receiving end of those things. I'm going to end up helping people get to where they are. But uh, I just think for me, what I have done and who I am is just this amalgamation of all these different individuals. So in short, just thank people when you have the opportunity, thank them. Thank you card, text, call them up, say thanks. And, uh, you know, it just goes a long way, uh, especially in today's times when it's easy to get feeling kind of down. Oh, yeah. There it is. Everybody, take an opportunity. Reach out to somebody. I don't care if you haven't talked to them in two years. Imagine their face light up when they get that text message. And if you want to be yes. crazy, get their address, write them a card. Yes. You know how nice it is to get mail sometimes? I know. Someone write me a goddamn letter. I know. <laughs> <laughs> underrated, underrated. Mail that's not a package. Like, you know, yeah. it's nice to see the Amazon package pull up, but like a letter. Yeah, that's big time. Yeah, dude, Bryce, I can't thank you enough. And you know what? Can we not be <laughs> Can we not be hypocrites? He told us he gave us a call to action. Why don't we message Cole off right after this interview and tell him thank you? Do My it. mom's got his number. Do it. We're locked in on that. We're locked in. We're going to do the it. call to action, B, just for you and for nice. us. But before we let you go, B, honestly, thanks a ton for coming on the show. You've been an idol in our eyes for a long time now. Just to have you to spread some of your wisdom was more than enough from you today. 100%. And this doesn't come from Hunter, who's at the Michigan game after a few beers, telling you how jealous he is that you get to live this dream and go to that school. It was a pleasure talking today. You're a stud. I'm so happy that I've got to know you over the years. And I wish you the best of luck in the next few months as you got a lot of stuff coming. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe out there. Peace, my brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Quarter Life Crisis Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode and listening to us bozos talk about absolutely zero. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at theqlcguys.com, except for the fact that that's not true. There's no .com. Just do you. Hey,